the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're never to set ourselves above those who are around us. We are called to simply point people to Christ. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Well, we're going to find our text here in Romans chapter 2. And I've entitled this message, Busted. I'm pretty sure we've all been busted before. And we've been caught with our hand in a cookie jar, you might say. Meaning we've all been caught doing something that's wrong. Yeah, we didn't know someone was watching, possibly. It's like being caught on one of those red light cameras. Oh, You can't fight it because they send you a link to the video. And then you watch the video of you running the light and your heart just sinks because you know you're busted. And of course, you know your wallet's going to shrink because they charge you 500 bucks for those tickets. I've had to pay two of them. Not this, you know, I'm just saying, okay, I, I know very well about these red light tickets, okay? Yes, it's an empty feeling When we've been caught, think about the incredible amount of grace and mercy that God has for you and me. When we realize that he knows every single thing about us, that there is nothing hidden from his sight, that there is nothing that's been out of his sight, that there is nothing that's unseen to him, no matter where we were at or what we've done. It's like, That's horrifying on one side, but then understanding that his grace and his mercy is at work inside of us. Why is it so easy for us, though, to look at someone else and say, I can't believe what that person did. Do you know what they did? What'd they do? There's a little gossip goes on. It's like, oh, they did this, or they did something really foolish, as if we've never done anything really foolish before. Many of us can also be guilty of even deeper judgments towards others. Sometimes, you know, our judgments can be based on we're prejudiced towards some aspect of some people. We might have a bias towards other people that that's real. You know, we might look down at people that have economic positions that are above us or below us. We can look down on them, you know, or we can look down on someone because of their education level. But as Christians... We're never to set ourselves above those who are around us, but rather we are called to simply point people to Christ. 
For there are many who are walking in darkness around us. I think we would all agree with that, right? Living here in Los Angeles, living in Southern California. I mean, it's like there's many that are walking in darkness, meaning they have, they have no concept of God. And many of those people are filled with disappointments in their life. They're not happy in life. There's many that carry guilt and shame from their past. I'm amazed that when you go to Ralph's grocery stores or Vaughn's or just whatever grocery stores, the amount of alcohol that's in there. It used to be like one row, and then it's like two rows, it's three rows. It's like four rows of alcohol now. It's like, who is buying all this alcohol? People that are disappointed with life, people that have guilt and shame, and this is how they're medicating that. It's those people that need to hear a true message of hope. Yet many today don't think that they need God. They think, well, that's the last thing that I need. It's like now we're looking to science to fix everything. They think that they're doing just fine without God. This is why people need to understand how awful and how horrible the human plight really is outside of God. See, I don't think people understand what is going to all happen exactly. Why should they if no one's ever told them? So they don't understand the human plight. But tonight, as we look into Romans chapter 2 here, let's look at our first point here, no excuse, as we read together this text. And it's Romans chapter 2, we'll start with verse 1, and it says, Therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and then you do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of the kindness and the tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God is what leads you to repentance? Verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds or her deeds. To those who, by perseverance in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they'll face wrath and indignation. I don't think people understand that. There's a final judgment that's coming. There will be no excuses for anyone who knows the truth and does not do the truth. For in our text tonight, we have a person here first that's talking about uh, a really religious person. But this religious person is actually kind of a religious hypocrite. For they profess to know God, yet they're nothing more than what you would call maybe a religious moralist. A religious moralist is one who teaches or promotes morality. 
Know this, every Christian should teach God's standard of morality. We should talk about what is right and wrong, not in humans' eyes, because nothing's wrong anymore in humans' eyes, unless you don't take the vaccine or something. But it's like everything seems to be fair play. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't say what God's standard of morality is. For it doesn't really matter what any of us think or what anybody else thinks on any particular subject or issue. What matters is, what does God teach on a particular subject in the Bible? What does his word have to say about it? What principles can we apply to whatever situation that we might be facing? Now, here's the problem here in our text. It's easy for us to look at someone who's struggling in an area of sin, and maybe it's an area that we personally don't struggle with. So it's easy to look at that person and say, I can't believe how weak they are. Like, what's wrong with that person? Why are they falling to that particular sin? And again, it's easy to say that if we don't have a weakness in that particular area. And it says in verse 1, when we pass judgment on them, understand that word judgment in verse 1 means in the original language to condemn them as guilty, to condemn them to some kind of punishment. It's pointing a finger at them in total condemnation. And when we do this, he finishes verse 1 with saying, when we judge like this, we actually are condemning ourselves. That's the person that they're pointing their finger at that person, but then they got three fingers pointing back at themselves. Again, why? Because we're guilty of other things. We're guilty of sin in maybe another area, maybe not that particular area, but isn't it the same? We're still guilty. This is why many times when the Bible talks about sin, and I really appreciate this about the Bible, it includes multiple sins together in the same context. And I appreciate that. And when you're sharing with other people, I like to share this particular verse because it covers a whole range of sins and kind of loops them all together. And it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So this is why it's very important to write this down. Because when you're talking to people about things that are wrong, some people, like I went to minister to a homosexual at one point, and I'm talking to this homosexual, because you know you Christians are all the same. All you do is just sin. Homosexuality is a sin, and that's it. I'm like, "Uh, I don't do that. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, I don't just point out homosexuality. There's all kinds of sins that are bad. And I took them right here to this verse. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So anyone who's unrighteous is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And then he starts to list the sin. He says, do not be deceived. Like, don't fool yourself here. A fornicator will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who's a fornicator? Well, that's just someone who's sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, you're sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend outside of marriage? Let's remember, God created sex, and he created not just to make babies, but for our pleasure for one another. To two people that come into a covenant relationship with each other to have that marriage together. God has created this sexual relationship 
for our pleasure. But if you don't have the marriage covenant, you don't come into that covenant together with that person, now you're a fornicator. You're having sexual relations with people outside of marriage. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on to say, are idolaters. Anyone that worships anything outside, they can worship nature. They can worship this. They can worship that. You know, they can worship, you know, uh, some Buddha doll. They can, you know, whatever. It's like, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say, or adulterers. Who's the adulterer? It's someone who's married and they're sleeping with someone who's married, but the person they're sleeping with is not their wife or their husband. It's someone else's husband or wife. Now, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, or effeminate here. Effeminate here in the New American Standard means uh, anyone is sexually perverted. So if you're into some kind of sexual perversion, pornography, what have you, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Then he talks about homosexuals. So by the time he gets to homosexuals, he's already talked about people living with their boyfriend or girlfriend, someone sleeping with someone from the office, idolatry because you're totally into this or that. It could be motorcycles, cars. It's just, you know, that's your God and your life. And then, you know, so we're five sins in before he gets to homosexuality. So if you're a homosexual, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven, just like the person who's sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Just like the person is in a total perversion. He puts these together. Then he goes on to say, oh, thieves, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. The thief will not inherit. Thou shalt not steal. Oh, you're stealing. Hey, but in California, you can steal up to 950 bucks, and it's no big deal. It's like, well, whatever, but you won't go to heaven. No thief will enter the kingdom of heaven, nor will the covetous. Oh, I wish I had what they had. They have everything so cool. How come they get that? I want that. How come they get that? Oh, I wish I was more beautiful. I wish I was this. I wish I was that. It's like the covetous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The drunkard, those who are getting slammed, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Revelers, oh, all these people burning cities down and ride and protest, you're not going to heaven. Swindlers, you ever con somebody out of something? You ever just been a little smarter than someone else and you conned them out of something? You know, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, right now, many of you might be thinking, well, who's, well, who can go to heaven then? <laughs> it's like, nobody. That's the whole point. This is the human plight of life. Outside of Jesus Christ and him forgiving us, no one can get to heaven. See, this is why we need to be able to share the human plight outside of Christ. It's almost like we're trying to make like everyone's good. You can do whatever you want to do and it's okay. And no one can say something because you're biased or you're a racist. If you say anything, uh, hmm. no, this is what God says. And then he goes on to say, this is what I love about first Corinthians six, nine through 11. He says, and such were some of you. Yes, I was some of those things. I was the fornicator. I was the drunkard. I was the thief. I was the swindler. I was many of these things. And he says, but you were washed. Oh, you've been washed in the blood of the lamb. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I've been washed. He says, you've been sanctified. Sanctified means you know, that you have been literally set apart. You used to be this, and now God's picked you up and stuck you over here. He set you apart. He says, you've been justified. The word justified means just as if you've never sinned. I've been washed. I've been set aside. I have been made just as if I've never sinned. But the blood of the Lamb. 
Isn't that good news? That's great news, see? And it's like, but if, if people think, I'm good, I'm a good person, ask a hundred people. If you take a microphone out here on the streets of LA, excuse me, can I ask you a question? Yes. Are you a good person? What do you think you're going to hear? Yes, I'm a good person. And I'm not saying that people in the world's eyes aren't good people. I mean, a lot of people don't just want to hurt people. They don't want to do these things. But yet there's all these other little things, gossip, lying, and we're all guilty of these things. That's why the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. That's Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, this is the human plight. We need to gently, kindly, not, again, veins popping out of our neck, able to share this. Well, you know what the Bible says about that. You know, the, by one of the commandments is, you know, thou shalt not use the Lord God's name in vain. God will curse you for using his name in cursing. It's like, uh, oh, what, really? Yeah, you should not do that. And it's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Well, don't apologize to me, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know. It's like you'll bring the cursing of God on you by using his name in vain like that. But see, I love this because 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 lists all these different sins together. It says, look, we're all in the same boat. We're all guilty of multiple of these, right? Aren't we all guilty of multiple of these? But we have been washed. We've been sanctified. This is why people need Christ. This is why. So God says, we believers are without excuse. And all people are without excuse when we pass judgment on others. For we might not be guilty of their sin but we are certainly guilty of other sins here. And outside of Jesus, God's free gift of eternal life to us, the punishment of sin is being cast into hell. Wow. See, people need to know this. It's like, if we don't speak this reason, then everyone's thinking, well, the world's telling me I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm a boy, but I can be a girl. I'm a girl. I can be a boy. I can do this. I can do that. I can do all of these things. It doesn't matter. Anything is open for, you know, whatever. It's like, wait a second. Uh, No, but the Bible says this. This is why it's so wonderful to really have down the Romans road. You know, the Romans road, what is it? Romans 3.10 again, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon his son. God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And where does sin come from? Romans 5, 12, through one man, sin entered into the world, talking about Adam. And then through one man, Jesus, he bore the sin for us, Romans 5, 12. Romans 6, 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then Romans chapter 10, that if we confess the Lord Jesus, and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So it's good to to understand what the Bible says, but if we do not repent of our sin, then it says in Revelation 21.8, but for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, for murderers, for immoral persons, 
for sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. Who hasn't lied? Oh my goodness. Their part will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. That's the second death. The second death. See, again, when you're born once, you die twice. When you're born twice, you die once. Again, that just means if you're born once, once naturally, we all came out of our mother's wombs, right? Then you'll die twice. You'll die once physically because the Bible says that all will die. And after death comes judgment with God. And then the second death is when we stand before God and we're judged in Romans in Revelation 21 and we're cast into hell. That's the second death. So we die once physically, then we die spiritually. But the spiritual death, you don't fully die. You, you just get thrown into a place of torment for eternity. But if you're born twice, you're born once physically through your mother's womb, and then you're born again. You're born from above. Jesus says, unless you're born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 3. He says, but when you're born again, so you're born twice, you'll live forever. So you'll die once physically. This physical body dies. We talked about this this morning. But then we go immediately into the presence of God. And we will never die again. And we'll have a new body that will live forever and ever. Yes, after reading that people will go into eternity to a hellfire and brimstone in Revelation 21.8, how could any of us possibly judge someone with the intent of looking down on someone since there's none of us that are free from sin, which brings up what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He says in Matthew 7.1, Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way that you judge others, you will be judged. And by your standard or measure, it will be measured unto you. So if you're very critical of other people, then the judgment with you will be very critical by God. So, of course, we don't want that. So, again, we want to share this good news. One person put it like this. I'm just a beggar that found where to find bread. So I just want to let other people know where I can be fed, just where I was fed, they can be fed also. Meaning, I want people to know how I came into eternal life with Christ. Yes, by the same means or measure of how we judge others, we will be judged ourselves, though. And so if we're merciless to people and unloving and unforgiving, that will be the same way that God will judge us. Now, of course, none of us want that. So that's why we need to come to people with love. And we just want to share with them what the Bible says. And if people are like, get out of my face, you Jesus freak, that's okay. Go talk to someone else. Again, there's 4 million people in LA. There's plenty of people to talk to. That's why Jesus went on to say this in verse 4 of Matthew 7. He says, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, you have a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So what Jesus is saying there, excuse me if you seem to have a real judgmental attitude towards others. He says, hey, could you first pull the redwood tree out of your eye first? And then you'll see clearly to pull the speck out of your friend's eye. So we're not trying to come to them as I'm judging you. We're trying to come to them in sharing the true plight of man with them. It's so easy to point the finger at people, but we're not trying to point our finger at them. We are trying to shed light on the plight of their life. 
And it's because, you know, I think when we judge people, it's always, you know, our sin looks worse on someone else than it does on us, I think, you know. But again, we're not to judge people like that. In the seventh chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went on to say in verse 20, so then you will know them by their fruit. So we can share with people when we see the fruit of their life or the outward actions of their life, we should be able to tell a person what is happening just based on their lifestyle and just say, well, this is what the Bible says about that on their outward conduct, how they live their life in relation to the standard that we see in God's word. That's why we're told who non-believers are in the book of Titus. He says in Titus 1.16, well, they profess to know God, which some people do, right? But by their own deeds, they deny him. So some people could say, I'm a Christian, and you know they're living in sin. They're partying, they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, all of this stuff. And you can say, well, look, the Bible says here that you profess to know God, right? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay. But yet your deeds are denying that, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. So we're able to confront somebody if they're living in a particular sin, yet they might profess themselves as a believer or they go to church or what have you. But this is why we need to come alongside people and just say, look, I just want to point this out to you. So how do you reconcile this with your lifestyle? Yes, God allows us to be fruit inspectors, meaning we can judge the outward actions of others, yet we can never judge the motive of someone's heart. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla, one word, dot org. As well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.